Welcome to Quality Perks, the podcast that not only delves into the intricacies of contact center quality management, but also uncovers the personal stories of industry leaders. Brought to you by BPA Quality, your trusted partner in enhancing customer experiences. Good morning and welcome everybody to another episode of Quality Perks. I'm Karen Dupree. Uh, my co-host is Neil Eggers and we have the most lovely Leslie O with us this morning. Uh, we'll be talking about empathy and customer experience. So without further ado, the first thing we do is we talk about what coffee we're drinking or whatever beverage we're drinking at the time. So let I'll go first. I thought I was going to get real fancy this morning. Uh, I was going to do an espresso, but but I went ahead with my coffee. But I made it special. So I put it in my Let It Snow mug because for Christmas, holidays, and everything else coming up, I'm hoping for snow. Um, it is my regular cup of coffee. However, I added cocoa, um, hot cocoa, uh, mm-hmm. a spoonful of that. And I also added one of these. It is the peppermint cookie lint. Oh, I can't show you, but it's the lint lender. See, that's not Couple. coffee anymore. That's that's like a dessert it's, drink. You've you've crossed. It is delicious. Over. It it's it's not coffee, maybe, but it is delicious. You dropped a whole chocolate in there. You dropped a chocolate. <laughs> Why not? Well, we have to. You're you're elevating your barista game for quality perks. Well. Hey, haters gonna hate Neil. Haters gonna I hate. Know, well, here in uh, <laughs> Florida, where it's fifty degrees, it feels like snow. So I appreciate the mug. Awesome, Leslie. Tell us what do you what do you have today? I'm having a cup of hot black coffee in my favorite mug. I drink Pete's. I love this. It's an mm-hmm. addiction. When I wash the pot. The night in at night, I say goodbye, good night. I'll see you in the morning. So this is a uh, unfancy but most beloved beverage. I, I like how you wash your pot. <laughs> yeah. you wash your pot. That's yeah, I do. So, yeah, I've, I've learned that apparently in our pre-production show that I need to wash my coffee pot more than I do. So thank you for bringing that to my attention. I will do that after the show. I not a shameless plug, but I enjoy the Callzilla. Uh, espresso cup here. So I'm enjoying a double espresso from my Nespresso machine that I apparently need to clean more. So uh, we'll get we'll get working on that after the show. Uh, but Leslie, tell us a little bit about you, what you do, what you're here to talk about. We've known each other for a, probably decades now through different associations and uh, professional groups. Uh, but for our audience, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. I'm Leslie O'Flahaven. My company's called E-Write. I'm coming to you from the Washington, D.C. area today where it's uh, a little bit warmer than in Florida, but still gloomy. Um, I'm uh, My company's mission is to help people learn to write well at work. And I 
avidly care about the people who communicate with customers in email, chat, social media, text, in knowledge articles and self-service content because they are some of the hardest working writers in the workplace. So I'm glad to talk about empathy today. Some of some companies think empathy is uh, an elegant option. Some think it's too legally risky uh, to even indulge and others expect their agents to kind of cough out their heart every single time <laughs> they communicate with customers. So I guess maybe we'll do a Goldilocks today and try to figure out what's the just right amount of empathy. Right. Well, that was going to be my, my follow-up question. So two questions. One would be, when is empathy appropriate, right? So when it, it, what's the difference in, in verbal as opposed to writing? So, you know, when you have a verbal communication and somebody, you know, makes a statement that requires an empathetic response, it's pretty cut and dry. But from a writing perspective, when you may be sending different responses back and forth, either through email or through chat or social media. What it, Talk to us a little bit about your recommendation about when that should happen and how you should do it. Okay. In customer care, there's two ways we express empathy. One is human because we we are receiving human communications. We are human and it's a natural and a uh, well-respected and desired uh, skill to express empathy. That's the human way. And the other way is practical. If you're a company and you want customers to believe that you care about them, accept your answers when you give them to them, and to, to go away and not repeatedly complain about the same thing, go, keep being a customer but not repeatedly uh, complain about the same thing, you need to express empathy. So empathy is necessary for human reasons and for practical reasons. So when do you recommend that that, uh, that how many times, right? So if, to your point, if a customer keeps expressing it, how do you express empathetic responses in a way that achieves that goal of the customer, you know, understanding that you, you the agent, understand or hearing the issue? Mm -hmm. And we can move towards a resolution. Probably they won't, uh, the customer won't keep coming back over and over and over with the issue if you express empathy as early as possible in the problem. Uh, there's a direct relation between um, delaying empathy and increasing the number of contacts. So when we respond emotionally to customers in writing or in speaking, we can apologize to them or we can empathize with them. Companies are pretty uh, prepared and willing to apologize, especially insincerely. <laughs> They're very willing right. to do that. We regret any inconvenience this may have caused, which is a, just like a bone dry, insincere mm -hmm. apology we toss out all the time. If we start with sincere empathy, if that's the first emotional uh, connection we make, the chances are great that we won't have six, seven, eight communications on the same topic. So you may have stepped into a question that I want to ask a little bit later, but how do you avoid a bone dry canned empathetic response that all of us as you're making another contact, another painful contact center attempt, right? We're like, okay, yeah, I know you're, yeah, I know how you're really sad or you're, you're really like, how do you, what are some tips and tricks that, that you you recommend so that it's not that bone dry canned response. 
Right. We, we're not here for the, I understand how frustrating that would be. We're not here for mm -hmm. that, right? So uh, there's a few uh, tips and tricks. One is use the customer's own words back. That will be less bone dry. So the customer says, I was disgusted when I found a hair in my oatmeal, right? Then you can say, I understand why you were disgusted. We don't say, I, I understand how frustrating that would be. You can say, I understand why you were disgusted. So use the customer's own words back. Now, sometimes customers are being dramatic and tragic and they say, um, you're worse <laughs> than murderers. You can't empathize and say, I understand why you think we're worse than murderers, you know, but right. you, you would understand the extent of their emotion and try to find a slightly safer way to empathize. So use their own words back with them. Then the other thing you can do is empathize with their tactics if you can't empathize with their feelings. So you can say, I understand why you contacted us again, or I understand why you're concerned that the shipping address might be wrong, given that the name is wrong. So you can, uh, you can empathize with what they've done so far. I can see you phoned us and you emailed us I can tell this really matters to you. I mm. understand why this really matters to you. So there are two tips. Yeah. So being specific to the customer's call history and the amount of times, you know, the, the customer may not even mention this is my second or third attempt, but the agents, you know, has the tools at their disposal to be able to see that that happened. So you'll put a customer at ease if they didn't even have to say that. But right. you offered that you have that information at your at, at your fingertips as a part of, of an empathy statement. Indeed. And if they have said so, or you know, as we all know, <laughs> we're like, Fred, you, you tweeted us, you chatted us, you emailed us, and now you're calling us. You know, Fred, we can tell this matters a lot to you, but make it an empathetic response to the fact that Fred's contacted us in four channels. Right. Yeah. And uh, a point you made earlier about the, the reduced future calls, you know, that first call resolution uh, metrics can be better by providing that empathy statement and letting the customer know that this is you know, the one stop shopping, that this is how it's going to happen. I'm, I'm going to be the one that's going to fix your issue. Indeed. So, you know, organizations and brands that are operating contact centers would, would do well to focus on this as a particular issue because it's reducing cost. Uh, cost of effort. And then to your other point about blasting all over every channel about how they're not satisfied, you don't mm -hmm. need that either. No um, yeah, the, it, it was interesting. So that, that bone dry canned response talk. Uh-oh. We lost Neil. Oh, Neil will be back. Neil will be back. Hey, Karen, mm -hmm. look who's joining us. We have Ghislaine Cataret. I know Ghislaine. Hey, Ghislaine. And Neil, hi. And Lauren, thank you for joining. It's a little bit about how... Are we back? Hey, was Neil, it me? we lost you for a little it bit. It was you. It was you. Unacceptable in a live <laughs> broadcast. What was the last thing you heard me say? Can you still hear me? Uh, or did you actually hear the question? No, no, we didn't hear the question. But I have to congratulate you because you're on-screen freeze face was very pleasant. You weren't like, yes. Yeah. No, no, not like that. Good. So <laughs> not, don't not do that, that again. Me. Got it. Don't okay. do that Got anymore. <laughs> so the question was, how is your world and generative AI met? So that bone dry response, 
that you know that's i would i would imagine that we're at that spot right where companies are using generative ai and we know that they are and it's here and it's been here for a while how does your world in generative ai intersect to fix that that bone dryer or lack of detailed response well i'm laughing because i'm i'm deeply frightened that generative AI is going to erase me from the universe, of course, because <laughs> my life's work is helping people write better. And I think we know what generative AI can do in that regard. And people who can't write well at all and never will write well at all, this is a tool that can help them a great deal. So I'm really, really worried. But I'm going to answer your question along a continuum here. The first before generative AI is like the last answer to your question, namely, can we use software to help us empathize sincerely? Can we use software that's pretending or that's not human to help us express this most human kind of connection? Can we? That's the last question. The first question is, does the con do do customer care managers, do leaders allow their frontline agents to express empathy? And I'm coming to you as a person who has worked in many, many companies, and about half of them prevent agents from expressing sincere empathy for a few reasons. The, lar the most common one is uh, fear of legal risk. Or the second one would be fear of, of inelegant or inexact or overly human expressions of empathy, like I gotcha or something like that. P companies, right. leaders are worried about that. So for, we have to start there because until leaders say to agents, not only is it okay if you do it sometimes, I want you to do it all the time. I want you to express sincere empathy all the time. Let's not worry about what generative AI can do. We're not letting people do this. And I, the, the um, banishment of expressions of empathy is absolutely stupid and common, where mm -hmm. agents are forbidden from expressing empathy. They're told, you can apologize, but never say you understand, because that means that we agree, which of course is wrong. I can understand why you contacted us four times does not mean we agree with your complaint. Or right. if I'm a parent too, and I would be concerned about this also, does not mean we agree that the toy is unsafe. That does not mean that. So first, that's the first part, managers and leaders encourage agents to express empathy. The second part is, and this is, you know, so aughts or so 1990s, do we have scripts? that express empathy? Do we have templates? And I believe we should have empathy templates. There are lots and lots of people who will say that's uh, inconsistent with sincerity. You can't pre-write a Valentine. <laughs> you can't pre-write a condolence card. You have to write that yourself. Those are empathetic expressions. But I don't agree. Customer service work is really hard. And it's corrosive to the capacity to feel empathy and to express it. It damages mm -hmm. the agent's capacity for empathy. So we can, if we allow them to express empathy, we should provide them with some play, some ideas of how to start. And in my work, you know, I've got 20 copy and paste empathy statements you can use today, 40 empathy statements for 
when you don't really agree with the customer. Six empathy statements to use in social media. Give them something to start with. They, they don't have to invent this out of whole cloth. Now, can generative AI express empathy? If frontline agents can use the 20 empathy statements I wrote, they can use the ones generative AI wrote. See what I'm saying? If we're allowing them to use a resource that they don't create every time they answer a Facebook post, then they can use the, the generative AI statements that ChatGPT creates, but the frontline agent, the human, needs to be able to edit it so it sounds and is sincere and accurate. So with all generative AI use, the generative part of creating writing is taken care of by the software, but the editing, evaluation, and mm -hmm. uh, quality check the human. is done by the, the human, human. Right, 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 right. Yep. So, so we, we're not done. We just didn't have to make it ourselves. Okay. Right. But that's I'm getting sweaty. I'm getting sweaty. <laughs> I really yeah. I care too much. <laughs> well, well, the important part for me, at least, is that human element, is that side, because, you know, the technology, you're right, can make sure it's gra grammatically correct and the proper sentence structure is in there. But if it's if it's out of touch and not specific uh, and overtly uh, generative, customers can see right through that. Um, mm -hmm. So the, the, where where your work of teaching people how to recognize that and to be able to deliver those statements appropriately and in a way that's not corrosive you know, to, to them as humans. Um, and I love that, that statement that you made, you know, cause it's so true. It is context center work is really hard and it's only getting harder, right. Um, with expectations. Uh, so, you know, mm -hmm. th those two things intersecting are, are, are super important. Especially with all those Karens out there. So I don't go there because I would say 37% <laughs> of my friends are named Karen. It's a demographic <laughs> thing. I'm of the Karen era and I, I don't shop at Chico's, but I'm who they're marketing to. <laughs> right, exactly. And I guess I, I lost the internet again. <laughs> no, you're still here. <laughs> I'm still here. Good. Must be. Uh, the last. Must be Florida. Had, last. Yeah. The the last question I had was how this intersects in quality programs um, and your experience with that. So how do you go about measuring empathy from a quality perspective? Because every form, most forms that that we'll, we work with had did the agent express empathy? And that's such a wide yeah. question. Yes. I so mean, what, are you, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, well, I kind of need to reach for a Kleenex because it makes me sad. Did the agent express empathy? I always think about what, what do we really want to measure? And that is not, did the agent express empathy? That is not a default. It's if the conversation were could have been improved by expressing empathy, did the agent express empathy, right? So most customer service conversations require some kind of empathy, but not all of them. Yeah. You say, mm -hmm. you get a complaint, my package was supposed to be delivered on December 6th, it arrived on December 7th, apologize, get the package there, refund the shipping and leave, you're done. You don't need to be like, I understand why on-time delivery matters to you. It just sounds right. dumb. So, it's, and it's inherently already known, right? Right, right, yeah. right, right. So like, I understand why salmonella 
might be a concern for you. It's just, <laughs> you know, it's just not, not really good. So, um, yeah. so first we want anyone who writes a quality form and anyone who uses it to be able to distinguish between sympathy and empathy and to trust the agents enough to let them decide which is called for. If both are needed, did it happen? If only one is needed, did that happen? You know, um, I, I just, I like the idea that empathy is showing up on the quality form because then it shows that the organization values empathy. But I feel very sure. protective of agents because they're often um, persecuted in the scoring of empathy, not lifted up. I mean, I have a client who shall remain nameless and their quality scoring form uh, forbids agents from using the word but. That's right. I'm sorry, but. No, no, but. You can't use the word but. Hmm. Exactly. So That's D U M, dumb. <laughs> right. Right? This is the idea that um, if you're telling the customer, uh, we wish we could waive this late fee, but we can't. It's the word but that's going to cause the problem. So when when you demonize a particular word and rob agents of natural uh, vocabulary decision making and then score them on that, then you're, you know, can you also be trusted to score whether they've expressed empathy properly? No, you can't. Yeah. So, yeah, don't rely on the scoring form to fix an institutional vision issue. Uh, That's right. You gotta, what he you said. Fix, you got to fix that first and then mm -hmm. move on to the quality form. Qual a good quality form will measure what the organization's already doing well, not uh, not used to, uh, to, to, to pick out kind of odd things like that. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Yeah. There's a, um, a comment that was made by Lorne, uh, you know, should we allow the empathy question to be marked N.A.? For sure. All, yeah. Yeah. I mean, all questions, shouldn't all questions, I, I guess maybe with the exception of uh, most questions should be allowed to be marked N.A. for particular interactions. I mean, we're never waiving the correct spelling and punctuation question, but it's that one's never NA, I guess, or spelling your own name correctly is probably important in right. every interaction, but yeah. Yeah. Maybe proper branding, uh, closing sometimes gets NA because the recording cuts off, but that's in the quality world, right? That's the issues we always deal with, but yeah. Awesome. Well, Leslie, thank you so much for your time today. I apologize for my yeah. internet outage there, um, but thank you so much for your insight and your expertise. I always enjoy getting to see you and, and hear about what you're up to and attend your workshops at the, at the events that we go to. They're always engaging and I really appreciate uh, the conversation and the insights today. Thank you so much, both of you, for Amen. inviting me. I feel like we could talk for a long, long time. I hope it won't be too long till we meet again. Absolutely. Uh, have Absolutely. a great end of the year. Happy holidays. Same and to you. We'll see you soon. All right. Sounds, Sounds great. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. -bye. Bye.